Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Cathy Sheridan. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or whatever app you listen to the podcast on. And you can always find us on irishtimes.com. If you would like to get in touch, we're on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast, or you can email us on the Women's Podcast at IrishTimes.com. Also, if you like the podcast, why don't you head along to iTunes, give us a review, and tell all your friends about it. Now, when we sat in the studio last Thursday morning to record our final episode of the Women's Podcast before voting on Friday on the Eighth Amendment, none of us present dared to dream that the outcome would be such a resounding and emphatic yes. We hoped aloud, as we have done for the past three years on this podcast, that it would go the right way. But in an era of Trump and Brexit, we feared the worst. As a result of the Irish Times Ipsos MRBI exit poll came through just after 10 o'clock on Friday night, predicting a landslide win for the yes side, it became clear that sense had prevailed and by the official declaration on Saturday evening, our collective dream had already been realised. In today's paper, our unparalleled colleague Miriam Lord describes what happened. It took 35 years to build a landslide. Repealing the Eighth Amendment to the Constitution was neither quick nor easy, despite what the margin of difference might say. 66% said yes. Makes it look simple, but that two-thirds majority conceals hard history and hard-fought battles behind a stunning final result. On today's podcast, the Health Minister, Simon Harris, who has confounded every sceptic and was at the forefront of this campaign, especially in recent weeks, including dealing firmly but gracefully with Sinn Féin's Pather Tobin on a pivotal live television debate, joins us to discuss how it all happened. But for all the men and all the politicians whose support we value so much, the Yes campaign was run by women and women's stories are what won it. As this paper stated in a post-referendum editorial, Ultimately, this result belongs to the women of Ireland. So joining the Health Minister in studio today is Alva Smith, the founder of the Coalition to Repeal the Eighth and co-director of the Together for Yes campaign, and also our co-producer, Roisin Ingle, who bravely shared her abortion story three years ago, enabling so many other women to follow her lead. You're all very welcome to today's podcast to celebrate a momentous weekend in Irish history. First, I'd like to welcome the famous Irish writer, Marion Keyes, who would like to have a word with Simon Harris before we get started. Hello, Minister Simon Harris. <laughs> Hello, Marion Keyes. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much. Thank you um, for everything. Um, I'm sorry, I'm a little bit incoherent. Basically, as I said to you when I met you, um, about was it about 12 days ago, 10 days ago? I think so, yeah. That, yeah, um, I will be forever grateful to you and I mean I think every person in Ireland um, who voted yes will be grateful to you for for taking our cause and and for treating us seriously and for and for speaking about us with such compassion you know you were the first 
person from either of the main political parties um, that I had ever heard talk about us with compassion. Um, you know, I was so used to feeling despised by both Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael as a woman um, that it was very, very hard to believe when you said that you had sat in rooms with so many mm-hmm. frightened and lonely women and that you had never met a person who wasn't pro-life. Um, yeah. Did you know the impact of what you were doing for us? No, truthfully, and you, you've kind of taken me aback a little bit, Marion, not for the first time in the last couple of weeks, but um, I want to thank you so much for all that you've done. I mean, I, I feel I feel I had a very straightforward job to do, really, and it was building on the incredible work of so many people. And, you know, I, I, I don't feel I can, can even take those plaudits you've very kindly given me because there's been people, I suppose, campaigning and working for this before I was even born. And, uh, you know, some of them are in this room. I'm looking across at Alva Smith and I'm thinking of politicians in, in lots of different political parties who championed this long before it was mainstream. Um, and, you know, I, I'm someone who's come on a journey um, in terms of my views. I mean, what the hell did I know about this issue, to be quite frank, uh, as a young man in Ireland um, until I sat in those rooms. And I suppose I was fed up with the only thing I could say to people who'd been let down um, and not able to access healthcare. I was fed up being being only able to say I'm sorry. And and really when the opportunity came about through the very hard work of the Citizens' Assembly, through the cross-party work, a lot of politicians and a lot of parties are kind of the unsung heroes in the work that they put in here. The amazing civil society campaign. I mean, I, I felt all I had to do was turn up and tell the truth um, that the status quo was failing women, um, had a chilling effect for doctors. And, you know, nine women every day leaving the country, three women every day taking the abortion pill, people with fatal fetal abnormalities, having their tragedy further added to and their hurt um, even heightened to a greater level. And um, I, I just wanted to be in their corner. I, I couldn't contemplate being in any other corner. So I, I always understood this was a very sensitive issue. Um, but truthfully, Marion, until uh, only as this campaign went on, did I, did I really get a full realisation of the absolute depth of feeling that people had and the raw emotion that there was. And, you know, the tears you could see in a lot of women's eyes that I suppose I've had the honour of looking into in recent days as the campaign went on and meeting in Dublin Castle, you could see the tears just about being held back. And they were tears. They were tears of relief, I think, you know, that they were people no longer had to live in the shadow. Yeah, yes. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I absolutely agree with you on, on you know, the, the fact that people like Alva and, you know, mm. have worked so hard and have never given up over the past 35 years. And we wouldn't be, you know, they're, yes. they're relentless and and, and lonely work at times. Yes. But you were the one who had the power and you did not run away from the challenge like countless other Irish politicians have done th- down through the years. You know, you didn't duck, you didn't dive, you didn't kick the can down the road. You know, you caught the ball on the hop and you took a big risk because, you know, my feeling was the vote was going to be very, very close. My mm. feeling was that the no campaign could have won. And that would have been damaging to your political career. But you took that risk for us. And, you know, we will be forever grateful. Um, You know, I really feel that the whole yes vote happened because so many people stuck their head above the Mm. parapet and said, "I, I will try. I'm scared, but I'm going to try. And you were one of those people. So thank you. No, and thank you. And you and, and then, you're one of those people no, too. Thank you so much. No, 
No, I did nothing. I, no. I did nothing. I'm, I'm just a, a citizen. But look at how you feel oh, yeah. about being the most fancied man in <laughs> Ireland. You know, never mind Killian Murphy and Brezzy <laughs> and uh, and Hosier and all these other fabulous men. Um, how how are you feeling about it? I think I think I'm blushing now, and I'm certainly. Uh, <laughs> I'm, sorry. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm sorry. As, as a poli- as a politician, you, you don't usually find yourself in this space, Marion. And I'm sure normal service will <laughs> resume very shortly. But uh, I, 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 yeah, I'm lost for words. But I, I just think my, my wife keeps me very well grounded. She texts yes, me to say, "Put out that bin, think? and why haven't you emptied the dishwasher in two days?" So <laughs> she, she she'll come out and tell people what I'm really like as as, as, as a husband who's who's constantly very busy. Uh, but no, look, it's it's. Um, I think people people wanted to rally to a, to a cause, and um, I'm just delighted to have been an identifiable part of that in the recent weeks and months. Simon, it is remarkable that many people feel that that was the first authentic political voice they heard in all these years. Now, I know there have been many others, and you've given them due credit when you spoke to Marion Keyes there. But at the same time, what was it? Did you come to this with your heart? 100% in it and you decided I am going to go out there and give my all to it. Yes, I did. And I mean, as, as you know, and as I was saying to, to, to Marion there, I mean, my views on this developed sitting in rooms in my time as health minister and indeed in some cases before and meeting women and their partners who had been really let down and who had found themselves in a crisis and found that we had added to their pain as a country. And it's it's very peculiar. I found myself in a very peculiar situation when I was in the primetime debate last week because usually as a politician, you're going in and you're you're arguing your point. And there's a back and there's a forth and, you know, you can do well or not well. And, you know, the world continues to rotate on its axis regardless of that. But I, I did feel in going in the other night that there were so many people that I needed to nail this for. There were so many people that I didn't want to let down. Uh, and uh, and right through like the campaign, a, I was remembering... Did it feel like a huge burden at the time before that debate last week? A lot was riding on that, wasn't it? Well, look, I think from the exit poll, I think we see a lot of people had made up their mind a long time ago. I think my job in that debate was, A, not, not, not to make a mistake, B, to try and reassure people. Because, you know, they, let, let's be really clear here. Abortion's not a, not a, not a joyous issue. It's no. a very sad and tragic situation but it is a reality and there were a lot of people that I was meeting around the country and I'm sure it's the same for others who you know who who were voting with a heavy heart in recognising that there's a reality here and whether they like that reality or not that they wanted to fix it uh, and I was trying to reassure them I suppose but but I was I was conscious that like I say I, I was genuinely thinking of the names of the people that I'd met over the last number of years and saying I have to do this for them uh, and I don't want to let them down uh, and I think that's what I think that's what gave us all energy, um, you know, that they're not they're not faceless women. It's very easy to talk about something in the abstract, mm-hmm. you know, X number every day or so many since 1980. But you put names on them or you think if it was my wife or my mother or my sister or, or someone's daughter, how would you like them to respond? And, that, and that's that, that's that's kind of what kept me going over the course of this campaign, the belief that there was a hell of a lot of people depending on us as a country getting this right. And the hope and the sense that Irish people are innately decent and compassionate. And if you actually gave them the fact and gave them the space to think through the issue, they mightn't be going down to the pub chatting about it. And I think that's something maybe we all missed, including me, when we, the scale of the results. People weren't going down to the pub chatting about it or talking to it in the super, about it in the supermarket. But they clearly knew in their hearts and their minds something needed to change. And if we could just tap into that and convince them that... You know, it's okay. We we need you to vote yes, and it's okay as a country. We're maturing. We're going to face up to the reality. Um, so yeah, they were they were my thoughts. So when you were facing into that debate, this is how you were. This is what you were thinking. I'm thinking of those names, those faces. Yes. 
But Simon, you're a, you're still a young man. I am you're a grey hair now. No, not very much, she said, <laughs> in a fangirl way. Um, uh, is it, it, it still must have been extremely nerve-wracking and given the row that developed on the other side and that sort of thing, over yeah. Maria Steen as a late sub and that sort of thing, that must have figured somewhere in your, in oh, your I've, worries. I've, I've never been more nervous in my entire life. Genuinely, truthfully. Um, never been more nervous because, you, you know, this, this is an issue no one likes talking about. You know, and I'm going in there as a 31-year-old man talking about, you know, intimate issues to do with the female anatomy and trying to make sure um, trying to make sure that we get it right and um, yeah that's that's very different to the position you usually find yourself in as a politician where you're defending something you're uh, defending something or promoting something but one way or the other it's not yeah this was not partisan like this was I found myself in so many times in recent weeks cheering on politicians who wear different political jerseys to me um, cheering on people in civil society who have a different viewpoint to me and, and I think there's a really big lesson in this and you know what we, I think we lost we think we squandered the opportunity somewhat after marriage equality maybe maybe that's too far but you know, there's a movement in Ireland after marriage equality people said if we take off our political partisan hats and work together we can get great we can bring about great change equally we've seen here if we if we're if we're, if we're 10 or 20 or 30 percent less partisan and don't presume that an idea that comes out of somebody's mouth is a stupid idea just because they're in a different political party and actually work together and civil society and political groupings work together. We can achieve great things. And I'm hoping, and this, this sounds terribly naive because I, you know, I, I am in the door seven years now and I know how it works, but I am really hoping that all of us can just take one big deep breath here and say, wow, when we actually came together and there was political leadership across the political spectrum, across the political spectrum, no one party, one politician or one grouping owns this. This was the people of Ireland, uh, but supported by people who said, you know, we're going to work together. And what are the other big issues we could tackle if we did that as well? And I think that's something, I don't have the answer to it, but I think it's something we should reflect on before we move on too quickly. And I wondered, is it a reflection on your, your youthful energy and enthusiasm? I remember interviewing you, and it must have been nearly seven years ago. Yeah. You weren't long at that all at the time. No. Um, and you were actually very cross about being patronised by older members of the Oireachtas. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I remember, you know, I, I think I think this is true in any job. If you're young in any job, you have to work that extra 10 or 20% harder to prove yourself. Um, and, and I don't think that's unique to politics. I think there is there is, there is a kind of an ageism that works in both ways towards older people and younger people in this country. But I think younger people um, in this campaign, again, across civil society, uh, said, hear us roar, you know, hear us roar. We want to change. We want to live in an inclusive, tolerant, non-judgmental society. And, and they came home to vote. I met, I met a girl at at Alva's Together Free S function the other night and I mean I think she was interrailing in Turkey or something and she came back to vote I met another girl from I think she was living in the UK she no longer had a vote because she was away too long but she wanted to come home and stand at the roundabouts with the posters you know saying beep free S you know so and what was fascinating actually about the weekend was the amount of interviews I did with foreign journalists and the perception they have of this country is so out of date. I mean, they really need to get with the programme because, I mean, they kept on talking about the papal visit and, you know, conservative <laughs> Catholic Ireland. And I'm very respectful of the fact that lots of people um, are, are religious and that's absolutely right and proper. We respect that. But they genuinely had this view of an Ireland that, that I don't live in. Um, that I genuinely don't live in. Well, they arrived here as journalists tend to do, Alva, with a story. Um, they had looked at the polls. They, the undecideds were still at what? 34% at one point. Um, so they, they thought they had a great story that here was Ireland very finely balanced on, mm-hmm. on old Catholic values. Yes, and something shifted. 
Yes, but I would say quite dramatically, but Alba, but I could be wrong. Story, yes, absolutely. But I mean, I think that's a story that the international journalists have been following for quite a long time. We did exactly the same kind of pattern in marriage equality. But how is it that a country like Ireland uh, could possibly vote 62% uh, for marriage equality? So, you know, y- y- you constantly push keep pushing back and saying, well, look at what Ireland actually is. a very, very young country. Um, It's a country which has been through many hard times one way and another over the 35 years and which has actually dealt with them as openly as we possibly can. And and the role of religion and of institutionalised religion, of Catholicism in particular, has been changing massively over that period of time. The internet has made a massive difference. I mean, free education, second level education only came in um, when I was actually quite grown up, Simon, I hate to say it, in 1967. <laughs> Me too. So, well, you yeah. know, it, 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 so much has happened in this country over that period of time that you want to say to the foreign journalists, stop living in your heads, actually look at the world which is around you. And I think that that's applicable not only to international journalists who came over here, but probably to a swathe of what I am going to call from where I sit, elite people in this country as well, who really, uh, I remember when we started back in, it was after the Protection of Life During Pregnancy Act, and we'd fought very hard for that to get through. It was what, 2015? In, in, that was actually the end of 2013. 13, gosh, 2013, and we that. said at that time, look, we need to put together a broad a coalition or platform of people to fight for appeal of the Eighth Amendment because we know that Ireland has changed. We know that we need to bring this further and we know we know that we need... So that was even before marriage equality because I think, you know, I was feeling it in my bones or as my granny would have said, I was feeling it in my waters <laughs> that actually that change had been there because you could see it. It was you know, my daughter and her pals and friends, it was everybody all around us, that things were changing really quickly in Ireland. And I, I know um, the Taoiseach has called it a quiet revolution. It hasn't always been quiet. It has often been quite noisy. It may well be again. But we had been banging at doors for such a long time to say, put the question to the Irish people. If you would only put the question instead of going back over the old one, as they did in 2002, I think you would be getting a very different kind of answer. Maybe one of the key things that happened over that period of time, and I'm sure that Cathy and Roisin will agree, and I know Marion would, women, we found our voice. We knew we had a voice and it really wasn't in a way, being being used. And we needed those spaces. And, and we really did feel that it was the time. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, and this is uh, absolutely nothing about yourself, Simon, but, you know, I can remember being in and out of Leinster House in 2014, talking to people who were saying, oh, you'll never do this, this is not oh, yeah. the time. Yeah. Uh, it's too soon. And I'm looking at them saying, 33 years, you're saying it's too soon. Yeah. Excuse me, yeah. we can't wait anymore. Women can't wait. And just just one point there when you're saying quite rightly about all the the women that you met and spoke with. I also always think whenever I meet a woman who is telling me this is my experience, who's speaking up really bravely, I always think behind that woman, there are 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 women who have never been able to tell their story. Absolutely. And can can I I say, I I think... One of the, I think one of the concerns any of us advocating a yes vote had is we, 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 
would men come out and vote yes? Yes. And would men involve themselves in the debate? And and there was an attempt, I really believe this, there was an attempt to divide our country. I mean, there was an attempt to suggest this is just a women's issue. Men, you stay away, you've nothing to do with it. Or this is just a Dublin issue was one of the latest yeah, yeah. nonsenses I heard. Um, you know, or it's an urban versus rural issue. And I think the most heartening thing about mm-hmm. the vote the other day is, is there aren't lots of different Irelands. There's just one Ireland. It's a small country and it wants to be compassionate. And, and you saw that. So, yes, women voted Yes, at a higher level than men, but but not by much. Uh, rural Ireland, with, with the exception of one constituency in the entire country, um, ba- backed it, and even that constituency was probably a lot closer than people would have expected it, was really it to be, close. wasn't it? So, like, there, you know, for every for every woman who's travelled, mm-hmm. um, there are many, there are men as well. There's men who I've met them as well. You know, the, the man who's driven the car mm-hmm. to Liverpool with his pregnant wife Very and brought nice. his baby's yeah. remains back in the car. Like, so I, I'm just uh, there was there was a responsibility on us as men to step up to the plate here as well and not to excuse ourselves from the debate and say nothing to do with us. Do you not think it was also a bit about saying to men it's all right to speak up about this issue? Because, of course, it is women's issue. These are our bodies, they're our reproductive lives. But I remember standing up somewhere outside the Custom House or something and saying to the men, you know, we do actually love you as men. You live with us, you know us, you... Our lives are completely intertwined. Mm. It's actually okay to speak about this in your way from your perspective because you want the women you love, whatever role yes. they have in your life, to be to be safe and also to be free, also to be equal. And I think that's hugely obvious among young men. We have loads of young men working on this and campaign. And of course, Alva, that's why it became so necessary to put faces on the women roaching. Yes. Come in here okay. from your producer standpoint <laughs> yeah. and tell us. You told your story. Yeah. Uh, you and Tara Flynn famously came out as individuals, not hard cases as they became known, even though I felt that was a very pejorative term in the end. Yeah, it became indeed. a pejorative yeah. term in the end. But you came out as the, one of the great majority and you led that charge, if you like. So what's, what was it like at the weekend? God, it was unbelievable. It's still unbelievable. I'm still not, I haven't come down to earth because I suppose what it just feels like for me and for Tara and for my friend Lucy Watmo and for yes. more recently Saoirse Long and all the really amazing, so articulate women who've spoken about their experiences. It just feels like it was worth it, you know, because at the time it felt like such a risk. It felt really scary. And that's only how many years ago? It's three, three and a half years three ago. Three and a half years. And, like, I remember, I've just been reflecting on it and thinking, you know, my mum before, when I told her, I told her, that showed her the piece and I told her what I was going to do and she was so worried for me because I'd built up some kind of relationship with my readers and it was a very kind of fun relationship and people, you know, because I spoke so personally in my column, they knew, felt they knew me and they did know me because I put it all out there. And then to risk potentially that relationship and that thing that I'd built up... Um, you know, my mum was worried about me, but I had come to a point, Cathy, where, and I think uh, everyone who's who's spoken about this will, will understand it. When, when Savita died, it just felt like if I had this platform, the privilege of that platform, and it is such a privilege, um, that I could no longer keep this to myself. Now, it took me three years, so I'm not saying I was immediately, but it, it started to niggle and niggle and niggle away at me. I felt like the next time one of these terrible things happened to a woman that I would... I'm not saying I'd have blood on my hands exactly, but I definitely would have felt complicit that I didn't stand up, that I didn't say it. And as I wrote at the time, sometimes in your life, you just have to step up. And that for me was a time in my life when I had to step up. So so it was almost, I was compelled to do it. I couldn't have done anything else. But the really interesting thing is going back to what Alva was saying, you know, and how have we changed overnight? We certainly haven't because 
my whole thing was that morning when I had the story in front of the Irish Times magazine was, OK, the sky is going to fall in. I remember waking up really early in the morning and checking Twitter and just thinking, brace yourself. You know, this could be the worst day of your life. I was genuinely scared. And immediately what, what was apparent was this wave, as Simon spoke so well about, of compassion and care and understanding and empathy and all those words that we've been using yeah. and the Together for Yes campaign have been using mm. so well. It was like a rush. It was like a big, warm embrace. We've, we've all been doing a lot of hugging in the last few days. And this was like that for <laughs> yes. me. I remember going to Marion Finucane's show that morning on a kind of a, a very surreal kind of feeling because remember we shared you know people who've spoken about it you're talking about your sex life you're talking about having had sex you're talking about accidentally getting pregnant you're talking about all these things that no one really wants to talk about it's, it's mortifying and it's it was basically, mortifying. you're basically saying I failed terribly yeah. and I want you to give me a hug yeah yes. exactly and I'm I'm sorry I made this mistake but I, ha- I had to go and do what was necessary and I went into Marion Finucane and it was like a very I, I've never been so scared in front of a microphone in my life again but I'll never forget that in the course of that program one very older woman uh, had either maybe, I don't know if she called in or texted, but she had called in to Marion to say when she was very young, she had had to have a termination and she had never spoken about it to anybody. And she was really glad to hear someone just talking about the fact that they weren't ready to be a parent, that there wasn't the right time because I had what's called what I like to call an ordinary abortion, which is most of the abortions. But I remember thinking at that moment, Oh, my goodness. I just could picture almost all these women all over this country keeping these things down inside them, being ashamed to tell the the truth about their experience. And nobody should be ashamed. And for me, that was the beginning. All I wanted to do was start to lift that shame. We've done nothing wrong. Women in Ireland are incredible people who have endured and done so much for this country. And we should have never been blamed or put in a box or told we were bad, which is what the Eighth Amendment did and I'll just finish on this just walking around town today like I feel like I'm I definitely walking I'm very short as you know Kathy but I feel like walk, I'm walking taller around yes. this city I feel yes. like I belong and, I, and to some people who, who maybe don't get that I understand that that sounds like a very big statement but I actually do I feel included in this country and I've always been railing against so much in this country and this getting rid of this disgusting misogynistic human rights abuse that was in our constitution has made me feel like fully equal in society and I'm just delighted with myself and I just want to but not delighted I'm just delighted for all of us I'm so grateful and so overwhelmed with relief Happy day but Simon Simon (laughs) having accepted all of that and I've had various arguments with people the last few days about this very thing was it in the ether all along did the likes of us miss it what happened even though I have I have daughters who are very involved in the campaign I can say now but Simon when you heard the exit poll result on Friday night which was the Irish Times exit poll um was it? Were you absolutely staggered by it, or did you think, "Oh yeah, I expected this"? No, it, uh, you'd, you'd be bluffing if you said you were. Sta- if you if you were anything other than staggered, I think I, I was absolutely staggered. I mean, I, I could definitely feel, I could definitely feel something happening. And I was in, um, I was in Offaly, the Tullamore, this Sunday before the referendum with the Taoiseach and others. And you're walking around. You know, you're walking around in these kind of mass canvases, and there's cameras everywhere. No one yeah. wants to talk to you. People walk to the other side of the street because they're petrified yes. of being on the telly, <laughs> yes. right? And, and you literally just see as they see you coming, this swarm of people. They just cross the road because they don't want to be on the television. When well, it was Bertie Ahern, they used to want to touch his robe. By the was way, it, yeah, so times have changed. Obviously. Well, uh, yeah, it's just it's very intimidating. You're out for your Sunday stroll, and next thing, all these people come walking up the street <laughs> with cameras and everything. But but what the point I'm trying to make is, during that walkabout in Tullamore. I had on three occasions opportunities to be pulled aside by 
by, by members of the public to have a quiet word. And one was a woman who, uh, I remember all these people, one was a woman who worked in the cinema. Um, I imagine a woman in her 50s or so. The other was a, a woman who was in her 30s and was a nurse. And the other was a man, I would say, well in his 60s. And very interesting, separate conversations with each of them. But each of them classified themselves as undecided, but wanting to vote yes. And that's very unusual in a referendum, because in a referendum, as, as we all know, in the last week, whatever the proposition is, the no side tends to win. If you know, if you, if if you, you don't, don't know, know vote yeah. no. But they yes. knew, they knew they, there was no doubt in my mind after the conversations with them that they knew and they knew for a long time that the status quo wasn't working. So they, they were never, uh, I got back into my car and went home knowing that they were not going to vote no. They were either going to do one of two things. They were going to vote yes, but they wanted to be reassured and think the thing through and have a bit of time to, to work it through in their own mind, or they were going to not vote. And all I can extrapolate from what happened in the final days is that those people decided, no, I am voting. And they got the level of reassurance from their conversations with their families and friends and listening to the stories of women to go out and cast their ballots. So the canvassing made a difference. The door-to-door canvassing did make a difference. I mean, I'm just, I don't don't mean to interrupt you there, Simon, but I do in a way because I think the canvas... (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. I'm happy to be interrupted by Albert. (laughs) The canvas... We should, you know, in retrospect, you always get very clever about these things. (laughs) We were getting increasingly good returns on the canvas with people saying, but actually people are saying to us on the door things like, you're all right, Mm. move on now to the next house, or you've got a whole family of yes here. Or in one case, um, I heard, and it should really have been a sign, a woman who came out of the house, Mm -hmm. closed the door behind her and said, it's okay. I'm definitely a yes, yeah. and I'm working on them in there inside. <laughs> so it it was there. It needed yeah. to be brought to yeah. the start. And I've, I, I was yeah. just thinking, though, it's a kind of situation where it's not that it's been there all along. This has been a process of people changing, coming to terms with. We, all of us working together, and I think that's been really important, um, what gave people a framework in which they could begin to work out what it was exactly they were thinking inside themselves and gave them the words to put that down yeah. and to say yes and the experience. Cathy, exactly. can I say something Roshi. just very agreeably? Because I'm do. not the most politically astute person. I deal more, I feel like, in the heart and emotions than I do in, in these other things. She doesn't but even the, like politicians <laughs> usually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm saying nothing. But anyway, um, two things that I was really, like, one thing I kept saying to people um, in certain, in this building, a couple of them who, and they weren't agreeing with me at all, was, uh, what if all these undecideds are just not wanting to say yes? Because because of the way we talk about that in this country, saying yes means, you know, with all the posters, you're saying yes to killing babies. You're saying yes to all these terrible things. What if they just don't want to say that? So I had this very quiet belief that those undecideds were not going to swing to know that they were going to swing to yes. I was sort of laughed at about that. The other thing I said, um, and I was a bit, I underestimated. Yeah, I told you so, it's very I know, I love it. And yes. I, I, I also had, my head said 58% of the result and my heart said 60 and possibly 60 plus and again I had mentioned that a couple of times to certain people who would know a lot more than I do about politics and it was seen as this ridiculous kind okay, of notion. Okay, you had your moment in the so song. So I just Thank wanted you very to say much. that. No, because it's really unusual, you know, and it's really nice to know that it's from what Alva said. I was asking a lot of people about how the canvassing was going and I just kept hearing these really, really yeah, positive yeah. stories and I, had to, I thought to myself, they're not people who are pretending or exaggerating. How is that not going to translate into something that's greater than this 51, 52 kind of narrow yeah. Victory. Anyway, looking back on it, there, there are two moments for me that that, that that I'm kicking myself and I say this should have told us. Or, this should have told us it was going well. Uh, w- one was I, I was standing outside the Leinster Munster um, 
rugby match with um, Rona Mahoney, Dr. Rona Mahoney, the master of Hollow Street, uh, and with people from Together for Yes, just just about a week out, I think, a little bit more from the mm. camp, from the vote. And very similar to, to, to what Alva is saying there, the amount of people coming up saying very quietly, whispering in my ear, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. We're with you. Really appreciate it. And they weren't, they were in Ballsbridge, but they weren't Dublin people as, you know, they were people coming from all over the country, up on the train for the day. I even met three women that day and they said, we, we actually, we discussed this amongst ourselves on the way up and we've yes. decided it has to be yes. So that was one sign. The second sign, which came earlier in the campaign, and I remember thinking this was remarkable, but maybe didn't see the absolute significance of it now, was the, the crowd um, funding yes. that you guys did in Together for Yes. And the, the, the sense of amazement and satisfaction when you watched, you know, that, that number. What did you say? We wanted to raise X amount. And every time we you said X amount, you raised more and more and more. 50,000 and you got. Well, actually, our amazing. target for yeah. that particular day, I was travelling up from meeting in Kerry where people were speaking very quietly on the train early that morning. Our target was 15,000 and by the 15. time we 15 for that day and by the time we had got to Limerick Junction or whatever it was I was looking at 20, 25,000 I think, jeez Mary and Joseph and then of course the Wi-Fi went on the train and by the time I got it back on again it was at something like 55 or 60,000 and I'm thinking holy goddess above, there's something happening in this country and by the time I got up to Dublin, sure, I couldn't walk with uh, being overcome. Your bad bag. I, well, no, no, <laughs> being overcome by this sense that really young people were hugely important in that crowdfunding. They really, they really felt it. They really wanted this. They really felt that this was. They felt it as being about their present. And I think we all felt it as being about the future for the country, which is, I've always said this, this was hugely about women, but it is hugely, hugely, hugely about also in some way making amends for a past that none of us is all that proud of. Actually, you Simon, know, there was a very interesting interlude on, on, on the radio, it, it may have been Saturday, uh, where Noel Whelan, uh, our columnist for us and also a barrister, but he said were owed an apology by the people who drove the introduction of the 8th in 1982 and spelt it out in about 10 different ways. Mm-hmm. And it made it made perfect yeah. by the time he'd finished, because I'm a great believer in being gracious and in triumph or defeat and all that sort of thing. Mm. But it actually made me <laughs> rather restless. And I thought, he's absolutely right. Yeah. Look at how much agony has been yeah. caused over yes. 35 yeah. years yes. by that amendment. Yes. Now, would you be looking for an apology? Well, I think I, I think I think what we were all looking for was some sort of public vindication that it was wrong, and I'll take the result of the, that poll, but rather than any apology. But I, and without making anyone feel bad, I wasn't born in 1983. <laughs> uh, but so, no, but I, I say that seriously because. You know, I, I, I can't relate <clears throat> to the Ireland of that time, right? So all I can do yeah. is read about it and talk to people about it. But but the, but there's no doubt, there's, there's two ways of looking at it. The Eighth Amendment was put in, at worst, to suppress people and to and about control. Or even at best, and I, I don't subscribe to this view, but even at best it was put in to try and prevent abortion ever coming into Ireland. Either way, it was wrong. If it was the latter, it didn't work. Yeah. 170,000 plus have travelled. And if it was the first, it was a sign of the times where... And they were it told it wouldn't work, Simon. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. They did it consciously. It was also about they the did. control of women. Yes. And that was a huge, to, to quote an American, former American president, president that was a huge misunderstanding <laughs> of yeah. women yeah. and of the country, but also of the processes of change globally. Yeah. And I think that that's also a really important point. Um, and you put your finger on it there. This was not... 
a, a, a debate, if you like, an abortion debate, which was fought about killing babies. It was fought over what is best for women. Yes. And I think that's... That is a sign of a society, a country saying we do need to value people. We need to value women. And that recognition has become much stronger over that period of time, I think. I think so. I mean, I was I was sitting in the Shannon. I've said this a couple of times during the campaign and I was listening to some people putting forward an argument against repealing the Eighth Amendment. And I I was kind of sitting there and I was doodling, taking kind of notes as I was going along. And and it just kind of came to me that the some of the same people, and, I, and by, by my nature, I, I don't wish to be disrespectful or adversarial in relation to this or triumphalist, but, but there's, there's the same people telling us that we shouldn't repeal the Eighth Amendment. Many of them were the same people who told us we shouldn't introduce contraception, that if they were around long enough, they were against, you know, the likes of what Noel Brown was trying to do back in the day. They were against divorce and said if we brought in divorce, all the daddies in the world were going to run away um, and we'd have British divorce rates, which we know we don't have. They were against the children's rights referendum. Um, they've never outside, they only ever take an interest in things like mentioning things like mental health and crisis pregnancy in the, in the height of a debate about women's bodies. When those debates come and go, then they don't bring up the issues after. And in marriage equality, I mean, we even had one senator at the time say, if you on Twitter, say, if you vote for marriage equality we could never celebrate Mother's Day again in the country so I do think for the people of Ireland the people who are around a lot longer than me there was a sense of kind of oh here we go again the same scaremongering that if you actually vote for progressive social change and to trust and empower your citizens in this case largely women um, that you know that that everything will go wrong or the wheels will fall off the wagon people don't believe that so I do I do felt I, I genuinely believe there was a credibility issue that a lot of the people arguing for the status quo not all the people voting for the status quo right but a lot of the leaders of the new campaign were the same people who have been leading the resistance to so many other issues that we've had to deal with and and the problem when you do that and have such a long record is people can look back at the facts what they said about divorce wasn't true what they said about contraception wasn't true what they said about marriage equality wasn't true and you know you do get to that point where why should I believe you now uh, and I, I think for a lot of people particularly a lot of older men that I met during the campaign they were quite practical about this they knew there was a reality here they didn't believe that they didn't believe these awful stories being told about women I mean a lot of the no posters if you notice them, if you look at them now, and most of them thankfully are being taken down, but if you look at them now, they only photographed the woman from kind of the neck down. Like the woman was nearly invisible, as though pregnancy could happen without any woman being in any way involved. There was an attempt to remove women from the discussion. Yes, you know? yes, but that, yes. that was strategic, of yes, course, yes. because once it became about women, it was going to be one. And I think that, you know, we realised that as as time went on. But I think, you know, there's also this notion that older people like me don't vote, Mm. don't vote. Yes. In Mm. fact, it was 60, 40. So actually, it's not all of that massive. And I remember and will always remember Ned O'Sullivan, Senator Ned O'Sullivan from Fianna Foyle, speaking in the Joint Committee directly to the naysayers on the Joint Committee and saying, basically, you are out of the you are dinosaurs. You are against contraception. There's nobody in this country in their right minds who doesn't use contraception. And the sky didn't fall in. And just about the sky falling in on divorce <laughs> and all kinds of things. All my adult life, I have been told that the things I stand for will mean that the sky f- <laughs> will fall in on top of me. And what I actually felt the other day was somehow that this huge huge relief of this great weight being lifted off my my personal mm. shoulders, Roisin's, every, mm. yours, Simon, Cathy, everybody. 
And that what we were looking at was the blue sky yeah. and it wasn't going yeah. to fall in at all. We were going to be able just to simply get on with our lives, yes. tackle so all of the other issues yeah. that we need to be tackling, which are really there. And the cross-party thing is all brilliant and wonderful. We'll all be fighting again like mad now in a few weeks' time because life oh. goes on. <laughs> <laughs> Normal business will resume, as Simon, Simon said earlier. Marion Keyes is never going to fight with you ever. <laughs> no, and I won't be either. But the point is that what, what I mean is... Sorry, could you repeat so that, Alva? I'm <laughs> sorry. Oh, no, Did she just say she'd never fight with no, you? I have, but I wouldn't like to I fight have. with Alva. She's very formidable. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, if we get the legislation in promptly, it'll all be grand, Simon. So you needn't be worrying about it. So, <laughs> but truly, it's, you know, there's so much that needs doing. And there was a sense in which we were very blocked on this. So I feel it has been, and for all kinds of reasons, not just abortion, not just women, although they're incredibly important, but it's been a very cathartic mm. moment mm. for us in Ireland. And I think people voted cathartically. Alva, one thing I want to ask you, um, because of my, my own childhood experience of getting out to canvas with my father, who was a politician, and I'm very aware of what it takes to organise a campaign. And one of the most brilliant, ingenious aspects of this whole period was Together for Yes, yes. was bringing the three big organisations together yes. and then getting those, what, 100 affiliates on board, really? Oh, absolutely. How did you do that? Well, we were all very big organisations ourselves. The Abortion Rights Campaign, the National Women's Council, the Coalition to Repeal the Eighth Amendment. We were used to bringing people together, keeping them together anyway. And um, so that was in our DNA, was in our organisational DNA. And we knew that we would be so much stronger if we could come together, which we did, and then that that would spread. And that has always been the strategy in this campaign. Right going back to 2013, that was the thinking about the coalition, was that we would go out beyond those of us who have fought for this forever and ever, so to speak, and broaden it out because this is about the kind of society that we live in. Um, And I think we work together very well. That's not to say that there wasn't the odd. We never had a blow up. Isn't that interesting? true? That Mm -hmm. is three Mm -hmm. co-directors, Orla O'Connor, Gronia Griffin and myself. We never, ever, ever had a stand up row. There might be times, and I'm sure I'm not giving anything away when I'd get a weird look from one or other of them and I'd be giving another one back. But somehow we talked things through and I do think um, that that was maybe something which helped the, the campaign as a whole, that we generally sat down. We didn't please everybody all the time. Far from it. No, I'm dying to read the book, actually. I really <laughs> hope there's but a book out there somewhere. But we always sat down and talked it through and got beyond it. And we were all absolutely, everybody, whether it was the political parties or whether it was the ones who were up for it or whether it was the civil society campaign, we were all absolutely focused on the goal, which was to remove that obstacle to women's well-being and to our country's real sense of equality. Simon, was there a point early on, as was reported in this paper, among others, where there was a bit of consternation among politicians. They felt the yes side wasn't moving fast enough. I think there was a bit of consternation amongst the media. And, and I remember recalling this. I recall this story at the, after, the, after the results on, on, on Saturday night, where I, I kept on getting phone calls after phone call after phone call from journalists saying, where is the civil society campaign? And I knew exactly where it was because I'd, I'd met 
Alva and met Orlan and met Gronia and the brilliant team that they had. But I, I think there was, and, and I can understand why this was, because mm. this wasn't seen as marriage equality, right? So marriage equality is joyous. Love is love. This was seen, as we've all discussed for the last while, as a deeply personal, private matter that people don't feel comfortable about. Could, could anybody pull off a civil society mm. campaign again? Mobilise people? And, and, and I tell you, you they got the, 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 the sceptics got their answer because, I mean, I, I, I am blown away um, by the success of the Together Free S initiative. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, it, it was incredible, even even having the pleasure of visiting your offices the other day, just the energy in there. And I mean, so proud to be associate. And that and that and I want to say this here today, that made it easier for those of us in politics to yes. stick our head above the parapet, knowing that in every county, at every crossroads in this country, they had managed to mobilise people yes. to campaign, and, 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 and I never quite know how you did it, mm. but, but 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 we owe you a huge debt of gratitude. And I and I think, I think, and I said it earlier. There's something in this. How, how do you make sure we live in a participative democracy where actually we ask the people of our country not just to be citizens who vote once every five years, but actually on the big issues to kind of get involved? Because there are things civil society do a hell of a lot better than the political establishment. And I think respectfully, we'd also know that we need the political exactly. establishment sometimes to help too. I think that should never be forgotten, mm. that, that they are equally important. Picking up on what Simon said, that it's everyone always, it's so different. There's such different issues and people just couldn't see past. This one is about mm. gay people marrying each other and this is about abortion. And actually, this was not about really just abortion. No, this no. was about fundamental rights, freedom. It was a symbolic thing that was going to free women. There's something in the Constitution about our genitals and our sex life and our reproductive rights. It should never be in the Constitution. That's the most crazy, ridiculous thing. And so, yes, abortion obviously became, was a very big key part of it. And I'm so glad now, that even though there's women travelling every day, that soon, Simon, I know you're going to get your finger out and it's all going to be done really, really quickly. They won't, they won't have to... Um, travel but it was about more than abortion sorry it was and it was more the gay marriage thing was more about more than gay marriage because many gay people never wanted to get married they just wanted to be treated like equal citizens and women in Ireland just wanted to be treated like equal citizens and that's why the jubilation and the relief and the tears and all those hugs I mean walking around this city now even now I'm sure you're still seeing it Simon the joy and the what's been beautiful is standing around circles of young women who I don't know who all just feel this sense of possibility like they've done something incredible and that they're powerful and that's what I've been saying to young women all this weekend don't forget you're really powerful and don't forget you don't need to be afraid of anything and don't forget your truth that you want to speak about your lives is really worth saying Mona El-Tawi the activist said something wonderful which I is really held in my heart and she she said that when that it's very subversive when women talk about their lives as if they matter and that's what happened in this campaign people spoke up about their stories and they said I matter Savita matters. All these women and girls in this country matter and we've been saying it and it's made a huge difference. Which kind of brings me back, oddly enough, to Simon, a man. Um, (laughs) And Simon, what what has contributed to you having this very obvious authenticity that everybody sensed from the very beginning, which, as we know, isn't... My father was a politician, so I can say this without without annoying anybody. I mean, I saw him putting on the game face and taking the position that would, you know, suit the most number of people and that sort of thing. You did that. You did take a risk. Now, there are women in your life, I know, very important women, like I know for in various ways that your wife is a paediatric nurse, for example, um, who has tended to the to the patients of some of the couples you would have come across. 
Um, I know you also worked for Frances. Well, I'm, I'm not sure about if you've met those people personally, but certainly she would have a very deep knowledge of that particular Absolutely. area. Um, you're, uh, you, were, you were actually Frances Fitzgerald's secretary yes, for a I while. Was, yeah. oh, I was, and, yes. Fra- and Frances had, and again, talking about politicians uh, who've made a contribution to this long before it was mainstream, Frances is definitely in that category. Oh, completely. Um, I, 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 yeah, so look, I, I, I've had the honour of, of, of working with Working for, uh, knowing a lot of very um, a lot of very strong women who've who've, who've helped shape my views. My, my my two advisors in the Department of Health are both women, Joanne Lonergan and Cathy Ann Barrett, uh, and and they and they it's deserve they room. deserve a they deserve a shout out as well. But no, for for me, what this was, it's it's kind of what Ro- Roisin talked about here, the stories that people had told, the stories like Roisin had told, the stories that many had told, and absolutely the others that people didn't yet tell. Once you told your story, it could never be untold. Yeah. It's like the genie was out of the bottle. And my big, big worry in relation to this referendum was the pain and the hurt if the people in this country rejected that. Yes, because absolutely. people had put their, people had literally put the, their most intimate details into the public domain um, in the hope that their neighbours, their friends, fellow citizens would respond with compassion. Thank God they did. But that, that, that really, that's really why I threw everything at this, so mm-hmm. to speak, because this wasn't, this wasn't just any normal referendum. There was going to be a hell of a lot of pain and hurt um, in this country if this didn't pass. And, and you know, whilst I, under, and I, look, I've got to respect 30%, more than 30%, but a third of our electorate voted against this. And I'm sure they're feeling hurt today as well. But nothing changes for them. Th- their choices can still be respected. Um, but the difference now is that oh, everybody's choice uh, can be respected. Everybody's yeah. story can be respected. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that for me was the motivating factor that that that, that this just had to be done. And I, and I, I, was, never, I was never content with putting together a proposition that might have been Politically, now as it turned out, this yeah. is not the case, right? But a lot of people thought, are, are you putting forward a kind of, are you trying to deal with all of the issue in one go? Would you not be better to deal with bits of the issue? Mm. Uh, 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 and I remember having this discussion many, many, many times with colleagues. Uh, I always felt if we were going to do this as a country, if we're going to put our country through this national discussion mm-hmm. and all the difficulty that comes with that, and, and let's be frank, the risk that comes with that, we're going to do it in such a way that we can settle the question. Mm. And I think uh, that was a risk. It was a calculated risk. But I, I think we have settled the question now because the majority is so resounding. Now, there's a body of work to do and people need to know there this. There is. To and today, some, of the news, and some of the headlines in today's newspapers, not the Irish Times, yeah. I hasten to add, were actually quite alarmist <clears throat> about bringing those services online and that sort of well, thing. Well, I think people need to be... I think, I think as a country now, we need to take a deep breath. Mm. We have taken a monumental and momentous decision here, uh, a huge decision that we want to provide health services in this country in, in, for, for, for women in crisis. We need to do that. There's a number of things we need to do. Passing the law is one thing. I actually think that's somewhat straightforward now because mm-hmm. the people of Ireland have given such a resounding yeah. yes. But passing the law is not enough. You also have to make sure the medication yeah. that might be required is regulation in this country. It's not currently. We'll have to make sure that the clinical guidance that should be drawn up by the Institute of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, the ICGP. So I, I want people to know there'll be nobody in Dáil Éireann who'd be more eager than me to get this mm. passed and get this job finished and work with people in a bipartisan manner and keep civil society updated. And we will get it done and we will get it done this year. We'll get it done this year. But but we do have, you know, voting yes was, I suppose, the green light, as Alva called it, the instruction, not just the mandate, the instruction from the people of Ireland to do this. I take that instruction really seriously. But I also need I also need to inject... I suppose, a realism into the conversation that it will take a period of time. This year, we're going to get it done this year. It's going to be my number one priority. This is 
is the biggest thing I've ever been involved in. I'm likely to ever be involved in. I'm going to get this right for the women in this country and for doctors in this country. Um, but it, but we have a huge body of work to do now. And, and, and uh, with that starts a today. lot of cross party support, I think, I for think so. that right I across. So. I mean, I'm I'm really very encouraged by that. I, th- I think everybody understands that there is a process, that it is not just about the law, that there is the whole area of service provision. And we know that. Um, and uh, But having that commitment made yes. um, by the Oireachtas to do this with full speed ahead and under, you know, the, uh, the Minister for Health's, uh, I don't, cracking the whip, is that the word I'm looking for? I can't <laughs> imagine you cracking a whip, really, but you might have to. But, you know, I, th- I, think, I think it is... It, it, it is very encouraging for people because I do think that people spoke so clearly and I think of it as, of course, it's an instruction in relation to the legislation. It's also actually about saying, reminding ourselves and all of us that actually these are the values by which we live in this country at the present yeah. time. Values change. These are the values for now and we absolutely need to respect those, which means respecting everybody. Absolutely. Can, can I say something, Cathy? Because it, well, I've, I've been full of gratitude and um, I have, it, since the Friday night when Kitty Holland rang me, I was cycling along the canal and Kitty rang me and just said, landslide for yes, and uh, was... I'll get emotional thinking about it again, but I literally, once I got off the phone from where I stood on the canal for, I'd say, half an hour in the dark, like it was sort of half of me was going, this is not really safe. I mean, myself, you know, this is late at night, my phone, my purse, like I was I was a mess and I literally was a mess. I cried for like half an hour solidly on my own before I could ring even, wanted to ring my mum, wanted to ring my friends and it was just an overwhelming feeling. But I, I, I wanted to say that just to, to explain the relief that so many people, and I think so many people like my friends who've told their stories feel. It feels like we're not the dirt on Ireland's shoe anymore that we were when we took those flights or took those boats out of this country that we're respected and cared for and loved. But I also want to say the Irish Times had a has an amazing front page today and I'd just love everyone to go out and buy it because it is a collector's item. The front page is entirely full of women's uh, uh, writing on this issue and I think women have been wonderful. The Irish Times also had an editorial which said this result belongs to the women of Ireland. It was led by the women of Ireland. It was created by the women of Ireland. And Simon, I know as much as we all fancy you and love you. I'm only joking. I don't personally fancy you, but, you know. Oh, <laughs> as oh my much- God. Sorry about this minute. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, I mean I'm mean, i saying, like, it's no nothing against you, but I do believe this wouldn't have happened without the women and the young women it's and the older women of, of Ireland. And I want to pay tribute to some of my colleagues. I want to pay tribute to Kitty Holland, who told us about Savita the first time, yes, which had yes. such a galvanising yes. effect. Um, to Una Malali, who has done incredible work on this. Sarah Barden brought us all the facts all yeah. the way through this. People in other news newspapers like Justine McCarthy and Ellen Coyne and all these women who knew it, while they were political reporters maybe she and we can talk about so many, so many but while yeah. they were very you know a lot of them in p- political reporting had to be very straight but at the same time of course you're going to bring in your own fact that you are a woman you're aware of this your friends are in these situations so I just think it's wonderful and I've so many thank yous to, to say and I keep trying okay. to say them on and on and on but there are so many people came together and made this happen but particularly the women of Ireland have, you know, need a big, huge pat on the back and hugs and everything. Yeah, there's no doubt about this. I mean, the 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 women in Ar- we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for for women in Ireland. And I'm so pleased as a man in Ireland that 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 men in this country voted for the women in their lives and voted to say that if a woman in our life, the woman women that we know and love and and care for, found themselves in this situation, we want to be able to mind them, care for them here in our own country. And and I think. It's such a powerful message men and women have sent out about how we care for women in Ireland. 
And let us just give credit to the, ma- the, 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 the male politicians who did take yeah. big risks, such as Micheál Martin. Yes, you know, he did. Not, speak, obviously, Simon, you did. But really, uh, Enda Kenny took on board the Citizens' yeah. Assembly and there was a lot of jaundiced thinking about that. It was the ball was picked up by Leo Varadkar. You really went for it. But Micheál Martin and and, mm. uh, and um, a few other, cross, as you say, cross-party yeah. male politicians. Billy Kelleher, who did a lot of the committee. Billy Ned O'Sullivan. Mm. Yes. Mm. With, without Julian. whom, it, this could, the circle could not have been completed. So let's, yeah. so let's, let's give the credit. No, I don't mean to not give credit yes. to men. Because, you know, just there were really brave politicians who along the years have put forward their bills, yes. like Claire Daly, like Breed Smith, like Ruth Coppinger, like, and I think of... of I call her young Lisa Chambers mm. in the Joint yes, Committee. Yes. You know, so many of those women have really brought along other, their, their male Noon, colleagues. Kathy, never forget. Yeah. Yes. I'm sorry, now, I should never start. No, no, if you start, Kate, this is and the Lynn Ruan has Kate been really Lynn Ruan, yes. I tell her so many of the women who really We should never have started this business. I'm blaming you for that. Sorry, Kathy. It's a very long list and it's a big jigsaw. I do want to say was just when you mentioned Kitty Holland there, you know, Mary Holland was a woman I really had huge respect for. And, and great affection and she was I, I saw her as kind of as a mentor I suppose really Mary Holland would be I think so proud of her daughter so proud of all of us as women mm-hmm. so proud of all of us here in Ireland today I think of Monica Barnes who yeah. died so recently who was another grand great strong woman so many women who went even before me if you see what I mean who were really absolutely there and who fought so centrally in 1983, who really led that campaign so that a third of the country voted against it. And I, I would just like to honour their memory and thank them. We would very much like to honour all their memories. Simon, your next step, obviously, and your priority is to is to get the legislation. Yes, yeah, so we're trying to do a couple of things concurrently, yes. right? Yes. Because we need all of the things to move at the same time. Get the legislation before the doll. Hope to get that legislation published this summer. Hope to get it through the doll and, and shine it in the autumn. Hope to get it signed into law this year. We need alongside that, we've a great clinical leadership throughout this campaign and I better not play the game of naming all of them as well but mm. because there's, but, there's, but I'll name one, I mean Dr Peter Boylan um, has done so much work and, and I feel there was a bit of a, I feel there was an attempt by some to yeah. kind of take him out of the knees because he was so effective and I'm going to pay tribute to him but there, and so many others, Louise right? Kenny. Uh, Louise Kenny, I'm going, to do the, I'm going to do this again, Rona, <laughs> Fergal, I mean, so Mark sure. Murphy, yeah. there's just so many um, but but we need, they, they will and they, they will do this, I, I have no doubt about it, I mean, they will need to, to step up now in terms of development of clinical guidance. So we've invited the colleges, the medical colleges, uh, into the department actually to a meeting tomorrow on Tuesday to get that work underway. We need to look at issues in relation to the medication. So you've heard a lot of a debate about the abortion pill being brought in illegally and therefore potentially being dangerous to women. How do we regulate that in Ireland? What does our medicines board, the HPRA, do there? So there's lots of different strands that we need to move because we all need to make sure that we provide a service that is safe uh, uh, and we will do that. Uh, Continue to work on a cross-party basis on this work together, I'll brief all the opposition this week. And the other point, and I just want to say this, and I want to say this to people who voted yes, but, you know, were nervous, or indeed people who voted no um, as well. We also need to keep working together as a country to reduce crisis pregnancy. I think this is really important. This is something we all agree with. Um, and while some people will leave this 
stage now that the debate is over. Um, I, I will continue to work with everybody who wants to drive down the number of crisis pregnancies in this country. And we've made huge progress as a country long before my time in relation to teenage crisis pregnancies. Mm -hmm. And that was, again, as a result of a lot of the brilliant women uh, politicians and civil society leaders, some of whom Alva mentioned, and the establishment of a crisis pregnancy agency. We need to do things now like free contraception, better counselling services. So when a woman goes to see her doctor, she's having a conversation with her doctor now rather than her airline and can think through all her options and make an informed decision in relation to healthcare. We need to look at for the women who decide to continue with their yeah. pregnancy, knowing that that baby will not live for very long, but want, want to continue. We need to support them better with mm. perinatal hospice care. So uh, whilst understandably um, uh, most of the debate has, has been about termination, there's nobody in this country uh, who wants that to be the sole part of the answer. And we have to do the full package of, of measures and supports, if you like. And we've seen in other countries, and I tried to make this point during the debates, but we've seen in other countries where when you actually make abortion services legal in certain circumstances, make them safe and make them legal. You can make them rare. You can reduce the numbers of women needing terminations. As has happened. And, and it's happened yes. in other countries. And yes. It takes a period of time, but yeah, let's yeah, try no, and do that. finish soon. I just yes. want to make one very quick point because for me, and I think for everyone um, who's involved in this, it's, it's obviously deeply personal just about me having travelled, but also beyond that, I have two daughters, two nine-year-old daughters, and really what was motivating a lot of people, I know you have a granddaughter, I have a daughter, <laughs> what was motivating a lot of people was the the idea that our children, when they were teenagers or when they start getting maybe politically active, would have to go on marches about this mm. was actually making me feel sick in my stomach. In and I think years, that yes. is the, that's where the overwhelming relief comes to that. Like they'll worry about other things. There'll be plenty to worry about. And the things that Simon mentioned are so important. But at least our grandchildren and our children are not going to have to worry about this. It's just wonderful. So, Alva, are you going to retire now and prune the chrysanthemums? <laughs> You've got to be joking. <laughs> or whatever Bertie Ahern said years ago. What are we thinking? I retire when there's so much to be done. What, what would I do? I'd be bored. <laughs> well, you would be a terrible loss, I can tell well, you. But, I, but have you, have, what's your next step? Well, Apart I mean, from I, I keeping think... a boot on poor Simon's neck. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, the whip and the boot. It's, okay. it's getting harder, harder to have a hard neck. Well, I was neck. going to say, in somewhat more polite terms, that I think it's incumbent upon all of us who've been involved in the campaign to, um, to work yes. with everybody to ensure that the services ultimately now my goal would be to see the services put in place because yes. there has to be a law to do that first and to and also as you are saying to make sure Simon that not only are contraceptive services better but that we have decent um, sex and I think it's called and relationship education yes. in our mm -hmm. schools and that is actually going to be I think in fact a very big a, a very big challenge, shall I say, because there are, are quite a lot of things that, that uh, are there. And that's about the ownership of our schools and the Department of Education and the curriculum and so on and so forth. And I think there is a huge piece of work to be done around that. And there is always work to be done in relation to women's equality. There is so much to be done there and mm. I am hatching various plans. But a young woman came up to me the other day in the RTS and she just, she said to me, she said, what's the next campaign? And I said, well, we're working on that. Well, she said, do you want my number? And I said, I certainly do. <laughs> so brilliant. there you go. Because we have been warned by psychologists for Joyce in the past few days, actually, that that um, there will be a tremendous come down yeah, from this. Yeah, I mean... For 35 years. I still remember opening well, Cosmopolitan magazine and seeing half a blank page where there should have been abortion information. I think which it been... opens up new horizons. I'm thrilled. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Onwards. Watch out, Ireland, is what I say. Um, Simon, have you a, a final message for the people of the Women's Podcast? And well, I just want to thank the people of Ireland for responding 
um, in such a compassionate way to such a deeply difficult and personal decision that women have to make and for trusting that women make that decision um, it, it, not lightly but having considered all of the options and I, I do think we live today in, in a country that is brighter is more compassionate is less judgmental and more tolerant and that's a country I'm very proud to live in Minister for Health Simon Harris thank you so much for coming into the Women's Podcast Alva Smith for flying the flag for all these years and doing it so with such incredible professionalism persistence you are the persistent woman the obstreperous woman and <laughs> by gum you kept it going and Roisin Engel here is wearing about five hats today thank you that's all we have time for today thanks very much to the Health Minister Simon Harris for coming in to speak to us thanks too to Alva Smith and Marion Keyes and Roisin Engel who was also the co-producer of today's podcast with Jennifer Ryan and JJ Vernon on sound until next time thanks for listening Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>